When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company. Like super woke. When I grow up. When I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, long time no see, no can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder. Just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work. Hey, hey, and welcome back to Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture where we're so thankful that you've joined us for another program as we may mention last week this is going to be a little bit of a different program we're going to be doing a throwback thursday program we're going to be highlighting some interviews that we did surrounding the antichrist and his ruin documentary so one with pastor jacob raom of trinity bible chapel in waterloo and then one with the actual filmmaker himself jeremy bundy so we'll be talking about the relationship between church and state and kind of all that went in to producing this film and why it's so important for canadians to see so if you haven't done it we would encourage you to go over to antichrist documentary and be sure to check it out. You'll be hearing more and more about the documentary itself in this episode. But we also want to, before we jump into things, remind you that all our programming is brought to you in partnership with Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week, okay? And we would ask that you would prayerfully consider leaving a donation over to our website, libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate. You can scan that helpful QR code at the bottom of the page there and click the analysis shows tab that will help us continue to grow this media arm, continue to push back against the mainstream media narrative and to continue to proclaim the truth of the word of God into the civil realm. So that is definitely what we're all about on the program. And if you would like to support us, this is a really, really interesting thing. The last time we were in Waterloo with Jacob and their church there, it was for the Antichrist and his ruined documentary. Now we are going to be back in Waterloo at the Trinity Bible Chapel come October 23rd. And this is a part of our two-day fundraising event called Liberty Podcasts Live. So we're going to be doing two days. The first day is, as I've mentioned, at Trinity Bible Chapel, October 23rd, where we'll be doing a live Liberty Dispatch for the viewing audience. We'll be taking questions. We'll be interacting. And we'll be just going through news and analysis as we normally do from a Christian perspective. But you can see that live, and that's specifically so we can help raise some funds, enjoy your company, have a good time together so that we can continue to build this arm. And then the following day, we're at Trinity Baptist Church in 
Burlington, Ontario on October 24th. And we're going to be doing a live li live Liberty Lounge over there. So it's really cool. We're really looking forward to hanging out with you, um, meeting all our audience. And we do ask, come with a generous heart, ready to share some of the, the funds that the Lord's given you so that we can continue to build and expand our reach because the more and more that we get the truth out there, the truth commends itself to the conscience of the hearer. Um, so we, we want to continue to proclaim that truth and speak into the, the civil realm, as I've said. So please, please, please consider coming to those events if you're around that area, or if you're really excited, just fly out October 23rd and 24th. We'll be in Southern Ontario to meet you all, and we just ask that you would uh, come ready to support our ministry here. So we thank you so much for that. Also, just wanted to highlight one other event that's going on before we get into the episode for today. We have uh, an event that's happening south of the border. Uh, it's it's the Spark Conferences uh, event at Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, October 31st through November 1st, 2023. And it's a uh, purpose for equipping and training uh those in the States to stand up for Christ and to learn from uh, many of the Canadian pastors and ministers uh, and what they've had to go through over this last little while. So that's also a, a wonderful event that we're very much looking forward to. It includes Mike Thiessen, Dr. Joe Boot, uh, our friend Nate Wright, and just a bunch of other solid, solid uh, people, including James Kitchen, our legal uh, defense uh, chief litig litigator. And I know James is an interesting guy to listen to. So you're not going to want to miss that event. South of the border, South Carolina, it's, it's fall. What a beautiful place to be in the fall. Okay. With all the housekeeping out of the way, let's get into the episode. So you're going to see a series of interviews and segments we did concerning Antichrist and his ruin, and we would really, really, really encourage you to go to antichristdocumentary.com and check it out there. Please buy it for yourself. Give it to your friend. It's a wonderful documentary, and I think the best part of the documentary is the fact that it's set in the Canadian context. So for us Canadians who generally have to watch American content and then filter it through our cultural lens, that hard work, that heavy lifting's already been done. So it's extraordinarily important film for anybody, no matter where you are, but especially for Canadians in our current cultural context. So please, please, please go over there, check it out, enjoy the episode. We hope this gets you stoked to see the film Antichrist and his ruin. It is our great joy to have with us Pastor Jacob Rayom, born and raised in Guelph. Jacob holds a Master of Divinity from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He became pastor of Trinity Bible Chapel in August 2009. And if you are unfamiliar with either his name or the name of his church, and you live in Canada, then you have been sleeping for the last two years, or you've only been consuming a steady diet of legacy media, which is toxic for your body and your soul. <laughs> Jacob is married to his high school sweetheart, Joanna, and together they have six children, 
Brother, it is a joy indeed and a pleasure to have you with us on the Liberty Dispatch. The Lord is doing some exciting things through your ministry and through your church. So thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me on, brothers. And I love what Liberty Coalition is doing. You guys are doing a great job. So keep up the good work. And it's a real honor to be here. Thanks, man. Well, my friend, this past Sunday, the trailer dropped for Antichrist and His Ruin, which we will be showing shortly in our show after we're done our interview. We're going to actually air the trailer for everyone to see it in very, very high definition. This is one of the benefits of having connections <laughs> to the docu documentary makers. Um, but a question we wanted to ask you is what was the purpose and intention behind the documentary? So obviously... You've been thinking about this for a while. It, it, it didn't just spring up out of nowhere. The last two and a half years have been a rather interesting two and a half years for the church. So what drove the creation of the genesis of this documentary? Well, I think it, it stems from my own personal study and how that's applied to my church and my ministry over these last uh, several years. So I remember years ago reading an article um, somewhere on the Internet that I came across about how we've lost a doctrine of the Antichrist because it has become sensationalized with some of the stuff that went on in the 90s or the 80s um, with various novels and, and whatnot. And so it's almost like it's an embarrassing thing for a lot of us to talk about, and this is something that needed to be recovered. And so I kind of went on my own personal exploration, thinking this through, and I was at the time reading through the works of John Bunyan, which I've since uh, read through, and by the time the COVID lockdowns came around, I'd read through the majority of his works. And there is a, a short little book in volume two called Of Antichrist and His Ruin, which I found very helpful in that he uh, distills some of the principles uh, by which you can recognize uh, an antichrist emerging within your own society. And so when the COVID lockdown started to occur, well, I actually, I started to recognize our government as Antichrist even before uh, the COVID lockdowns with some of the nonsense and shenanigans that were going on. But certainly this really manifested itself in, a, in an absolutely horrifying way during the COVID lockdowns. And I was, I was very quick to speak out against the government's actions. Um, and part of that uh, was based on my study of of various Puritans, but specifically Bunyan, and even more specifically, his book of Antichrist uh, and his ruin. And then being able beyond that, I, I'd preached through Genesis uh, in the early 2000s to mid 2010s. It took me several years to work through Genesis. And you see this theme, although it's not called that in Genesis, you see the theme of the Antichrist government uh, emerging very, very, very quickly um, as early as Genesis, I think it's Genesis 5, with, uh, with the reign of Lamech, who's a son of Cain. And then you see it um, uh, with Babel, and certainly with, uh, with Egypt and Pharaoh and Abimelech. So um, these, are, these are themes that I detected in Scripture. Uh, this is something that I've learned from Bunyan, and this was a very quick application uh, for me personally, and then in trying to galvanize and unify our congregation in this regard uh, during the early part of 2020 when we were dealing with government tyranny leading well into 2022. Hmm. Perhaps there's a lot of people who are saying, you know, they look at um, they look at the name of the, the, the documentary and they say, 
Antichrist in his ruin. That's pretty salacious. That's that's tough language. You know, church at war. It's a really a militant kind of uh, sounding uh, documentary name. But why is it appropriate? Right. We've talked in the program like and you I think you just said this, that especially as ministers of the gospel, you will know people by their fruit. And you you discerned long before it came to anything COVID that. Uh, that the government that we were under in Canada was obviously evincing fruit of Antichrist, right? The spirit of Antichrist. So why is – a lot of people might think that title is salacious, but why is it appropriate to apply to our current Canadian government, the regime that is currently in place? And why isn't it not uh, just kind of a slanderous uh, – a way of speaking about our government officials that we have to be careful not to slander them. Why is why is that an appropriate title, would you say? Well, I think we have to take our cues on on tone and content and category from Scripture itself. And so some might accuse me of, of perhaps being overly, um, I, I guess you could say, militant in my language uh, in in this teaching. But we are the church militant, and we should see ourselves as the church militant, and we should be getting our categories from Scripture. And so I, th- I am of the persuasion that one of the things, if, if I may use the word, has gelded the Canadian clergy is the unwillingness to simply proclaim what Scripture teaches as it is. So quite often what, what you'll hear is, well, I'm, I'm kind of, I feel so, sort of uncomfortable saying this, but, you know, I just kind of have to say it. Whereas, I think we just simply need to state the biblical language, state the biblical category, and make a clear application. Now, people have accused me in the past of being, of being harsh in that regard. I'm not going out of my way to be harsh. I'm simply trying to speak as absolutely clear as I can with creating images with the words that I use, just like the Bible does. And so as we talk about language of, of Antichrist and we talk about the church being at war, these are, are distilled, these are derived, these are principles, this is language that is on the pages of all of, uh, you know, of Scripture, from right at the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, this stuff is being used. And so for a church um, to be offended by this, this tells me that the church is either biblically illiterate or is ashamed of her Lord, maybe both. Yeah, and I th- and part of the I, part of the reasoning or part of the thinking behind Matt's question also is when you see that Antichrist and his ruin, and you you alluded to this already, Jacob, that people have in their minds a Tim LaHaye left That's behind right. a a kind of Darbian understanding of end timesy things, and when they think Antichrist, they automatically go to this very smooth-talking, singular leader who sits atop the nations, and they, they have a certain understanding of, you know, mm-hmm. vaccines and microchips mm-hmm. and barcodes and blood moons. Mm-hmm. And I just posted on Facebook the other day a picture of a very, very red moon, and I said, we need to call John Hagee mm-hmm. stat. I mean, it's like, clearly we're there. So when people think about that, they, it, it is sensationalized, but what and I, I don't know if this was part of your intention, but I know it will be a consequence of the documentary, and I'm thankful for the Puritans and their teaching on this, is to demystify. That's what I want to do. 
a lot of the understanding of Antichrist, that there are biblical categories for a state that demands worship in place of being Christ as Lord, and the the New Testament will call this state a beastly state. That's right. State, no, that's absolutely right. right. The state that the state mm-hmm. from out of the the state out mm-hmm. of the sea, sorry, the beast out of the sea and the beast on land. So all we're doing is we're just trying to help people understand. No, this is biblical and it's not sensational, and this is something that believers have understood for two thousand years, to, which is good. We need to move. We need to move beyond either a being kind of, I guess you could say titillated by the sensational Tim LaHaye type stuff, or B, being embarrassed about Antichrist because Tim LaHaye and these guys tried to titillate people with all that they you know, taught in their books and their movies and all this stuff back in the 90s. And so those are two problems. One, you have people with fanciful, sensational ideas, or two, you have people that are actually embarrassed by the proper teaching because of those sensational and fanciful ideas. So let's Let's put that behind us. It's embarrassing. Okay, I wish the church never went through that, but we've gone through it. Now let's get back to what the scriptures say and get back to what our forefathers have taught us. And yes, there is a beastly state. There is an antichrist state. And there is a whore of a church, a false church, that prostitutes herself to that state. And even me saying the word whore who prostitutes herself to that state is offensive. But this is straight out of Scripture. I'm not... You shouldn't read Hosea. If you're offended by that word, you shouldn't read the book of Hosea because it's uh, it's it's there about uh, two dozen yeah. or times. Or the book of Revelation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Uh, right. Okay, I, I, I want to interject before we move on to the next question because I think Andrew brought up an interesting thing that I want your thoughts on, uh, Jacob. Maybe you could break down for us some ways that our current government in Canada, and I think you're seeing it across the Western world, sets itself up as God. What are some evidences that the current regime in Canada sets itself up as God uh, when it comes to the way that they treat their citizens, the way that they interact in the church. So what is what are some of those ways that the, this antichrist spirit has manifested? Do you have an organ <laughs> ready, Matt? Do you have an organ ready? I don't. Ready I don't. I need to this? get Knox's okay. uh, little roads. Right. Yeah, we have yeah, to have those yeah, stingers. Exactly. So I think that I, I don't want to start with the government, Matt. Mm-hmm. I want to start with the people. The problem is primarily yeah. with the people, I think, although the government is a big problem. And and you saw this in the hearts of the people. We could go back to 2020 in March, where the people automatically, their gut instinct, they've been trained from birth to cry out to the government for salvation. They think that the government can save them from everything. Well, now the Christians will, will buck at that and say, well, we don't think the government can save us, save our souls. Well, hold on. You actually gave up the worship of Jesus Christ for two years because you thought the government could save you from a disease. So, I mean, there's there's some serious compromise there. So I think you see this in the hearts of the people, and the hearts of the people were 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 exposed. They spilled over in 2020, but we saw this coming beforehand, and I certainly detected it, and I, and I made commentary in my sermon. In fact, I had someone who told me, she's new to our church, she's told me recently, that she's been listening to my sermons dating back to 2011. And she said, the way that you acted during COVID is completely consistent to what you were teaching even back in 2011. And so, but anyway, what, what, I, what I detected with our government was a number of things. Well, one is, is the redefinition of marriage. Okay. We, if, you're, if you have a libertarian bent, which I suspect some of your listeners may have, you would say, well, let people do what they want to do. But but this is the problem. 
the, the redefinition of marriage is actually the government claiming to be God because it's God that defines marriage. I was actually reading Thomas Manton on the Antichrist um, last week, and one of the th- points that Manton made as he exposited Second Thessalonians chapter 2 is that the Antichrist government or the Antichrist establishment rarely claims to be God. In fact, it doesn't, but it acts like God. Okay, so if you have a, so Manton, of course, was concerned about the Church of Rome, and his point was that the papacy never claims to be Christ, but the papacy acts like Christ, okay? That's how you identify it, and and of course, Manton was categorizing the papacy as Antichrist. So, we get to 2022, the papacy isn't as much of a threat to Protestantism or to evangelicalism as it was back then. It might come again, I don't know. But it, it, but right now, the biggest threat to us is a secular um, humanistic government. And so you have a government acting like God in redefining marriage. You have a government acting like God in redefining sex, as in male and female. So now, what you what you can do is is if you're a man... You can chop off some private parts and get a little bit of surgery, and now you can be called a woman. My, one of our pastors actually went to the University of Wilfrid Laurier University the other day, and it's his first time being on campus in a couple of years. And he 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 walked by the woman's change room for I think it was the fitness center, and in the woman's change room on the front door it says anyone may enter this if they claim to be a woman. Okay. So we have the redefinition in our culture of of sex. A man can claim to be a woman just as much as a woman can claim to be a woman, or vice versa. Okay, and and then you 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 can even look at the the economic side of things, and this really came up during the housing crisis in two thousand nine. The government starts to create wealth out of nothing by by printing money. The only one that can create wealth out of nothing is God Almighty. He creates wealth material out of ex nihilo, out of nothing, ex nihilo. So the government, people started to think this is okay. If we need money, the government will just make money for us. Well, that's not how money's made. If you understand economics, you understand that that's, that is not how money's made. The government, that's actually stealing from the people because it's basically the government is turning our currency into monopoly money, counterfeit currency. So I can, there's three ways really quickly on how the government has become antichrist. Now, move forward now. This is where I was starting to get nervous. You move forward to 2020. Now the government thinks that is is the state the secular state it now has the prerogative to redefine worship so there's actually a press conference where the premier was commenting on our church the premier of ontario and he says well you can worship online hold on a second now the premier of ontario is claiming to tell us and and pontificate to us what a church is a church is someone who watches or a group of people who watch broadcasts online. I told our staff very early on when we started doing this online stuff, I said, we're basically nothing more than a bunch of glorified televangelists. That's all we are. We're, we're not a church if we're meeting online. It's not meeting online. So I, I, there's, some, there's some very basic ways that the government, the state, the secular state, the, the civil government has, has claimed to be God and Christ. It's not said we are God in Christ. It's claimed it by its actions. And so as Christian people, we ought to be able to detect that and be able to say, whoa, 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 what's going on here is very dangerous. This is a spiritual act. This is more than just people acting stupid. This is a spiritual activity, and the devil has now gotten behind our our civil government.
And to, to, to connect those threads for our audience, they might be asking the question, well, wait a minute, how, how do we know, where do we draw the line between what does and doesn't belong to God, the state, and, and clearly, or simply, I'll say that there's there's a moment, there's a story in the life of Christ when he's approached by some religious leaders who talk about paying taxes to Caesar, and then Jesus says something that he's addressing the issue at hand, but he says something that really is a principle for all of life, which is there are things that belong to the state, and there are things that belong to God, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to, to God what is God's. And when, when Jesus is saying that, he's saying that there are things that belong to God alone, both in terms of identity, in terms of character, and in terms of operation. That God alone is the one who gets to define so things it, this way. God alone is the one who gets to create things. And so when the state begins to say of the things that are for God alone, no, now they're for us, they've crossed over that line of claiming things that are not theirs because Jesus clearly delineates that there are things that belong to the state and things right. that belong to the Right. And I think the, the, the important Lord. thing, to, one of the most important things to note in that passage, Andrew, and I'm glad you brought it up, is, is who defines what belongs to the state? Because who defines what belongs to the state tells us who has authority over the state. So if I, like Jesus says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, render unto God what is God's. So if I'm to pay taxes to Caesar, it's only because Jesus tells me to, right? So ultimately, the authority is Jesus Christ over the state. Anything that we give to the state is only what Christ tells us to give to the state. Because in that passage and others... That this this principle is is delineated. This principle is is distilled. So anything and Jesus certainly, in the context of that passage, worship was being denied to Christ in the temple. So the Pharisees had already rejected the worship of Christ in the temple, and so they were not giving to Christ what belongs to Christ or to God what belongs to God because they weren't giving him his worship. So it was interesting during the start of the COVID nineteen lockdowns. All these people were saying, "Render under Caesar what is Caesar's." And, and what they were doing is they were rendering under Caesar what is Christ, which is the worship of Christ, and they were acting like the Pharisees in the temple. And not just the worship of Christ, but the definition of what is That's worship. Right. And that, that was part of the battle. It's not just what worship is, but who gets to define what worship That's is. That's right. Who gets to define, and this, I mean, we, we would say that, you know, properly understanding Romans 13 is not just about exegeting those seven verses, but there are a pair of lenses we must put on first, and the lenses are, there are things that belong to the state, and there are things that belong to the Lord, and as you said, the one who defines not only what these things are, but defines to whom they belong, is the Lord himself now you can finally properly understand Romans 13 instead of just throwing it around mm -hmm. as a compliance peanut butter to spread all over yeah. cowardly it, toast, right? That's, it's that's, also that's important to realize that the, the entire testimony through Scripture uh, put, uh, puts forward uh, a large, centralized, powerful government as something to be avoided, right? When that's we right. when we see, see Jethro's advice to Moses, that's the most Republican advice you could ever obtain. It's set up a, a group of tr like tribal leaders, like or mun municipalities, where they're governing themselves, and then essentially he sets up a Supreme Court system. He breaks down 
government into really, really small um, denominations that people can have the most amount of freedom and govern their tribes. And then ultimately, that's biblical government is limited and it it disperses power across a wide range of, um, you know, different people, uh, different roles to increase the amount of, um, you know, personal freedom as well. But it's always, you know, ordered liberty in in that sense. So that's important for us to realize, too, this big behemoth centralized government is something that is set forward in Scripture as being an evidence of of antichrist yeah and so you you look at the for example the decalogue the ten commandments if you want to talk about limited government look at the ten commandments because that is a law that is supposed why was king david supposed to meditate upon that day and night because he had to learn how to be a king in subjection to the law of god when david failed as a king that's when he stepped out of the ten commandments right that's when he stepped out of outside of god's God's revealed law. And so, so for example, do not steal. We learn from the scriptures very easy, quickly that that, that that includes the government. And the government during the COVID era, and certainly with our, our modern taxation system in the English-speaking West, the Western world, is constantly stealing from the people. It, it's, it's property theft is going on all over the place, and the government is committing it. And you saw this in, in just plainly with the COVID-19 era when they told private businesses to shut down um, in order to save people from COVID-19. So, and and we see in the scriptures that the government is not allowed to do that. King uh, Ahab wanted to take Naboth's vineyard, which was his means of production, and he even offered him a fair price for it. But Naboth said no, Naboth was right to do that, and King Ahab, um, or Jezebel, manipulated things to have uh, Naboth uh, executed and that and that theme is repeated throughout scripture so you know it's it's, it's coming down to is, is samuel rutherford talked about is lex rex it's not rex lex not the king over the law it's lex rex it's the law over the king and when it becomes king over the law like we see in 21st century canada it becomes antichrist because now what the king is doing or the government the civil government is doing is it's replacing the law of god with the law of man and when the civil government starts to do that you automatically ought to be able to detect that and say that's the beast of revelation chapter 13. i want us to move now um, to talk about the documentary the trailer and its response and i'll just kind of wrap up this, this little bit, this discussion we've had here by saying this is why we've labored the point here at the Liberty Coalition. You cannot have a Christ-less conservatism. Amen. That if you're going to try to have a righteous government and if you're going to have a nation established well in a way that leads to prosperity and flourishing and the good of the people, if you excise biblical foundations from that, you will be left with chaos and ruin. And so the people who say keep Keep your Bible stuff out of the politics. No, no, no. We, we can have a libertarian kind of government. The reality is once you remove biblical truths from civil government, it will, as Schaefer was keen on saying, will inevitably lead to chaos in the society. And the people will be so afraid and so clinging to any kind of order that a totalitarianism will arise to provide the people with some sort of order and some sort of safety and the people will accept it. So we always have to fight for a Christ-centered or a Christ-full conservatism in our politics, which is was what we're doing. And I'm, I'm glad for this discussion. Um, but I want to turn to talk about the, the, the trailer, the documentary. And so one of the questions that we have for you, Jacob, is 
what has the response been so far? I know this is broad and, and maybe, I mean, maybe you can pick particular groups or audiences or even some of the response you've had from people in your church or maybe other Christians around the country who maybe have found themselves in churches that have been less than bold and less than prophetic in their voice and in their ministry. What um, What's the response so far to the documentary and specifically to the uh, rather spicy trailer that we are more than glad to, to show in a little bit? I didn't think the trailer was that spicy. <laughs> well, that's because you, that's right. So that's right to you, right? I think to you and to me, we, we, we have a pretty high tolerance for the spice. And so for us, it's like, oh yeah, this is just a normal Sunday morning. I, I say much more stuff in my sermon. But to people whose uh, who's spiritual and emotional taste buds have been dulled and blanded by flaky evangelifishism, what has their response been I'm only, to uh, the trailer and the documentary? I knew the trailer would be perceived as spicy. I'm partly, but I don't think it is that spicy if you want to look at what the scriptures actually say. So, so I think that some of the people who oppose me have, they just don't, they don't want to deal with me. And so they don't let me know what they think personally, one-on-one -on -one, or interact with me directly for, for whatever reason. But things do get filtered back. So, you know, the overwhelming majority of people that have communicated with me, it's been positive. They're glad for it. They're looking forward to it. This is, wow, this is really good. This is something that, that's needed. But there are there are things that, that get filtered back to you. And so you start to think, okay, well, what does this person have a point or or how do I how do I interact with, with this? And I, I think some people are saying, well, you shouldn't be be lashing out against the government, um, and they're not the the main problem, and and that's that's a that's a bad that's a misperception of what we're actually doing. We're not primarily lashing out against the government. We're we're saying the government is wrong. This is why. This is how they need to correct course, which is totally consistent with what the scripture does, and consistent even with Bunyan did in Antichrist and His Rune. But what what we are, I mean, Bunyan even goes to the point in, in Antichrist and his rune, basically say the government's controlled by Antichrist. So if my language is too strong, then Bunyan's is too. Um, and certainly Revelation 13, talking about a beastly state and uh, an Antichrist state in that regard, and some of the criticism that the Bible offers of other governments. So I don't think we're we're getting out of our lane. In fact, I know we're not getting out of our lane in criticizing the government and asking the government to correct course. But I think the primary problem in our country is not the government. I think it's the people. And more specifically, even in some cases, not all, I think in some cases it's the church or the apostate churches, our milly-mouthed, um, weak-willed, as you call them, evangelifish churches. But I, I, think, I think the problem is you're dealing with an apostate people. Like like everyone in this country who's been whose family's been here for generations. My country's my family's been here since I think it's the 1630s. Some have been here less, some more. But anyone who's been here for for several generations, their family, I guarantee you go back just a few generations, your parents or grandparents or great-grandparents was going to a church, certainly in English Canada for the most part, where you were being told to repent, believe the gospel or you're going to go to hell. And the message that we put out in our trailer would have been like, hmm, okay, to those people. And their grandparents would have been 
more put off by what's going on in our culture than what was going on in our trailer. And they would be rolling in their graves to think of what their grandchildren are doing with this country. So you're, the problem is you're dealing with an apostate people that have intentionally rejected God. And then a problem added to that is not just an apostate people. It's a, it's a mealy-mouthed, biblically illiterate, gelded, evangelifish church. So you have either pastors that are completely ignorant of what the Bible says about government, and to them, Christianity is praying alone in a room and watching YouTube church if the government is so kind to let you. Whereas Christianity is all of life. It's everything. Jesus has something to say about every aspect of our lives. He's Lord of all. And so I think to answer the question of us going dealing with government is simply say, well, do you believe that Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords or not? Because if he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that means all the kings of the earth and the lords of the earth are, are to submit to him. So one of the issues that we're attacking government, well, government is a problem. I've already ex- explained that. The people are a bigger problem. And I think the churches are up there with the people. Some have, some have not been happy that we named or at least pointed out to certain personalities in the trailer. There was a few personalities in it that I think has come across that some are not happy. But you got to understand, every one of the personalities in that trailer was complicit somehow in the government lockdowns. And, and certainly the ones that were most prominent in the trailer were ones who were using their voices and their positions to attack the faithful church. Um, So if people are more offended that we're pointing out personalities in a trailer than they were about people using their position and their credentials to attack a faithful church, then they probably need a heart check. Um, We're simply simply reiterating as we document history um, what happened uh, during those times and what those people did. And I hope that's a good thing for the people's the personalities who are brought out, because I really hope, my hope is that they repent. They've led people astray, and my hope is that they actually repent, and uh, instead of being like uh, Judas, hopefully act like Peter. Mm-hmm. And I'll, to those people who would have that criticism, I just want to say quickly, if you have a public ministry, and by public ministry I mean your writing, your teaching, your, 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 your Twitter, it's public, there are many people who follow, who watch, if you have a public ministry, and you publicly, in articles, in social media, criticize and make statements, then you have opened yourself up to public, in the open kind of criticism. So anyone who would say, well, what you're doing is unbiblical, because if you have criticisms of some of these men, you should, Matthew 18, go to them in private. No, 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 no. That's, That's a different thing. When you have a public ministry, and it is visible, and you use that platform in the open, then you now have made your you you have to be available to a public criticism in the open as well, and if you're not, then what you need to do is you need to shut down your Twitter account, stop writing articles, and be an entirely private man if all you want is private criticism. So for people that are going to misuse Matthew 18, understand that the moment you stand on a platform and say, "Hey, everyone who hears me, listen." You need to be open to one person from within that audience standing up and saying in the open, uh, wait a minute, you're wrong. Uh, and this is the platform to, to express that opposition. So I want yeah, to attack that criticism. What did, the, what did these men become known for, certainly during the COVID era? They weren't known for offering hope to the world through the shed blood of Christ. They were known for offering hope to the world through the availability of vaccines. So a, a lot of them were. Not all of them, but... but and, and being ready for snacks. <laughs> double vaxxed and ready for snacks. <laughs> right. And so you heard, like, they actually developed a reputation for being mouthpieces for the state and for pushing 
more the supremacy of the state than the supremacy of Christ. And they ought to answer for that. And there's hope for people who do those things if they repent. Um, but I'm, I'm concerned about them if they continue to try and weasel their way out of the criticism. Mm -hmm. So thinking about the trailer quickly, Jacob, tell us about the shadow banning. So I got a message from um, one, the, the producer of the documentary and he was telling me about the trailer being shadow banned and then something that you guys are doing in response to try to get the word out so tell us a little bit about that and then briefly tell us what it is what can we be doing and what can people be doing to spread the trailer and the word of the documentary and the conference well we've learned that big tech and um uh you know facebook twitter all these groups of people have suppressed things that don't fit their particular narrative. So somehow they're, you know, there's a group of people who are in bed with each other trying to perpetuate a statist narrative, servants of Antichrist. And uh, so we believe that big tech has actually suppressed um, the, sh the, 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 the trailer. And one of the reasons we believe that is that some with large platforms are sharing the trailer and yet it's not being interacted with at all on their social media. And um, people uh, I've heard, like our church has a fairly decent size for a church social media platform. I've heard people say they don't even see our church stuff show up on their feeds. So, and then the trailer was shared. It was interesting. The trailer itself, so we put the trailer out on our Facebook page and the, and and then the trailer was shared by the Antichrist and his Rune documentary Facebook page, Facebook actually removed the share for a while there. So people weren't even able to go to the Antichrist and his Rune Facebook page and see the share. Now, I think they last I checked, they put it back up. But all as I'm saying is there's some funny business that's going on whereby it's fairly obvious to us knowing what we know about big tech and then seeing what's going on with these shares that it's being suppressed not surprised it's easier it's more political savvy for them to suppress it in the algorithm than it is to outright censor because the minute they censor it we can say oh they censored it and now everyone wants to see the censored thing that's banned on Facebook or banned on YouTube. And now we direct them to rumble because we have it up on rumble, I think too. But so, so that that's going on. So what we've done is, is we've made the actual file, HD file, high quality file of the trailer available to the public. So what you can do, if you want to help us beat the sensors, big tech sensors, is you can take the file and you can upload it to your own Facebook account. So they don't trace it back to ours or another Facebook account that they flagged. This democratizes the distribution of it. You can upload it to your own Gab account or your own Truth Social account. Or people have big Telegram platforms. You can upload it to Telegram, your own YouTube, whatever. You can take the file and you can email the file to people and say, hey, check this out. Um, or maybe you're in a signal chat. I don't know. So so this is what we've done. The, the, we pushed the documentary from our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube for a few days. Then we realized it was being suppressed. And so we made the actual file available so people can distribute it themselves. And I would encourage them to do so. Yeah, we'll share that link in our, uh, in our show notes. We'll actually share it as well on all our social media. Um, when we release this episode, we'll make sure that we let people know exactly what they need to do and where they need can where they need to. 
go and how they can Thank find you. it. Thank you. So finally, Jacob, you're not only releasing a documentary, but you are putting together a conference around the release of the documentary in November. Maybe you could tell people what the actual dates are, where it's being held, and, and what it's going to look like for those who have a desire to attend. And what you're going to do when you sell out of tickets. <laughs> How are you going to deal with what happens when you sell out of tickets within two days of them going public? How will you address this problem? I am, I am concerned about selling out of tickets. So I think they're going to go quick. But we, when that happens, we'll see. Like I'm, I'd be nervous to say, oh, we're going to go to some rent some um, venue owned by the city of Waterloo because Center in the Square in Kitchener, they, they tried to ban Jordan Peterson when he came. Like there was a movement. So I mean, if they went after him, I know what they're going to do if they go after you know. If, like you said, Jordan Peterson was uh, you know, propagating sodomite marriage on Daily Wire, and and so he's their, you know, he's more their friend than we are. So anyway. I don't know what we're going to do, but we will cross that bridge and we'll get there and we'll we'll try and be as creative as, as we can. But the, docu- the, the conference is going to be great. November 17th, 18th, and 19th at Trinity Bible Chapel, just north of Waterloo, just south of St. Jacob. Some people can fly in actually to the Kitchener-Waterloo Airport. We've, we've got direct flights from various cities and or they can fly in to, to Pearson or Hamilton to get here. And I suspect many will come in from around southern and southwestern Ontario too. But um, uh, so I'll be I'll be preaching at it. The conference is going to open on Thursday night with Steve Richardson preaching. Um, we're going to have James Coates will be preaching. Tim Stevens and I will be leading the main sessions on the Friday morning. We're going to have some breakout sessions, which I'm quite excited about. Uh, Aaron Rock is coming in to help us do some uh, some elder training. That's going to be opened up to various churches. I mean, there's a lot of churches that will benefit, I think, from having elder training offered to them. And Aaron is going to help us uh, with some of that. He's a seasoned pastor who's got a lot of wisdom to offer. I think we've all benefited from some of the ways that he's uh, chimed in our own lives and helped us work through difficult situations in our church. So we're looking forward to having him. And then um, uh, Andre Schutten has now agreed to lead a at least one breakout session on the constitutional history of of uh, Canada, um, which I think is very important because I do believe that the uh, Trudeau era charter has actually been a setback in constitutional freedom, not a move forward. And Andre's going to explain what happened there and why it was a setback and really the rich history that that has been pulled away from us uh, through that era. Uh, hopefully the day comes when we can get back to that, uh, the history that we have. But unfortunately, right now we have to live through this. Um, Tony Costa is going to come and do a breakout session. He's going to talk about the Antichrist uh, religions, some some false religions. Uh, he's going to explain some of the problems with uh, Eastern Orthodoxy and Romanism. Um, we're, we're going to... Uh, there's a few others. Our, our, our associate pastor, Will Sherman, is going to do a breakout session on small groups. Um, we're going to do a breakout session. The headmaster of our academy, our, our academy is booming. Our classical Christian academy is booming. We're actually at the point now where I think we're turning away families, and it was only started three years ago. And our headmaster is going to talk about classical education. Um, I'm trying to think of Gabe Wrench is going to do a breakout session on um on the serrated edge and, and social engagement and this kind of thing. So there's, it, there's a lot of things happening at this conference. It's going to be educational. It's going to be edifying. And I think it's going to be honestly a, a, I guess you could say rejuvenating reunion 
for a lot of us who have been in the trenches for the last two years and have learned a lot of things and we're going to get together uh it's it's a national conference pastors are going to come in and people are going to come in from all over the country and we're going to get together and it's going to be kind of a reunion it's going to be a great time and um get to know each other make some contacts be encouraged and then be edified with sound teaching and preaching and and prayer and uh, we're gonna have a time of very focused prayer share some good laughs and uh, hear some good sermons and we're gonna yes, be there good. absolutely we're gonna be there i'm gonna be there matt's planning mm-hmm. on flying awesome. in we're going to be there. The wife and I are coming. We're going to we're Might going to make even sure do a our, live we're, we're looking at. <laughs> well, we're we're definitely. I've already. So I'll, I'll I'll say this now as a way to kind of excite some of our listeners. But I've already confirmed with James Coates and Tim Stevens that we're going to find some time to do a show with the two of them. So we'll interview both of them, and we're going to do an episode of the Dispatch with the two of them together. That's going to be great. Uh, we'll be there, decked out in blue, with all sorts of fancy advertising promo material um because we i mean you you said reunion but really this is like the Mm -hmm. first time that there's going to be this kind of gathering of these men so there have been pockets i know you were out west you visited with james you visited with tim there's been stuff together but really this is probably going to be the first time that a lot of us who've known each other who've been you know involved in one of those lives who've been you know standing together we're all going to be together in the same space. So really, if there's a time that they want to send the the, the jackboots after us, this would be the time because we're all going to be together in the same church, which is going to be marvelous that we can all finally meet each other. That's going to be a, a glorious time together. Um, and I think probably one of the even more than the conference itself, personally, the highlight of being able to be in the same room with all these men that I've only seen online and we've prayed for them and we've rejoiced and we've mourned with them to all be together is going to be quite Mm. precious i'm very much looking forward to this. yeah all the hobbits are coming together (laughs) right absolutely (laughs) uh anyways jacob thank you so much for for coming on the program we are so excited now to play for our listeners the official trailer of church at war antichrist and his ruin church has six tickets i don't know i think the maximum for the church is 60 million <laughs> i think we have to realize that canada is not immortal but if it's gonna go does it go with a bang or with a whimper i don't know of any nation that has survived any civilization that survived long term that has refused to acknowledge the judeo-christian ethic we've never seen anything quite like this it is yeah, in my mind, it is unprecedented, certainly in the Canadian context. In the 1960s and in the 1970s, we had this, this growing sense that Canada needed a fundamental break with the past, wanted to be a new order. If you, if you read the history books, 
Canadians switched from a bicultural Christian identity, French Catholics, English Protestants, to multicultural country, which means that literally anything goes. A man can choose to be any one of a number of newfangled genders. A woman can conduct herself in any way that she or he or it or they or they want. Canada must be unified. Canada must be one. Canada must be progressive. And peoples of many cultures will live in harmony. For me, that is Canada. Canada. The country basically invited the wrath of God at that particular point in history. And then, and then since then, it's just been a slow downward slope. And then I'd say these last few years, the, the slope has become greased rails to hell. An organization that has the explicit purpose of restricting women's rights by removing uh, rights to uh, abortion, the rights for women to control their own body, bodies, is not in line uh, with uh, where we are as a government, but frankly, where we are as a society. My goodness, don't you dare meet for worship during COVID times. And don't you dare organize a trucker convoy in Ottawa. Because if you meet for, for church during COVID times and you organize a trucker convoy in Ottawa, you will feel the full force of the law. But man, if you want to get sodomized or be sodomized or sodomize somebody else, and if you want to kill your baby, nobody's going to tell you not to do it. There's an intentional switch in law, intentional switch in lordship, where we have now reached the point in this society where we call evil good and good evil. Hi, I'm Bruxy, and I want to apologize to members of the LGBTQ community. But maybe we don't need to fix ourselves, or lose weight, or correct whatever capitalism says is wrong with us. And I'm not talking about our queerness or our transness. That's not a fault or a flaw. It's a gift. Uh, it's, it's no wonder why the, the civil government is, is so powerful. It's, it's no wonder why our, our culture is, is heading so quickly into immorality and all kinds of, of, of wickedness and debauchery. It's because the church is so weak. I think what we saw in the last number of years was that some of the so-called evangelical thought leaders were writing articles and saying things, essentially taking Christian morality and, and putting a stamp of approval upon the narrative that was being propagated by health authorities. I would love for you to open your Bibles to Romans 13, 1 to 7. Paul makes it very clear here that we obey God by obeying the state. I guess I, I don't want to waste a civil disobedience protest on, on an issue that's not a not an ultimate issue. I, I think a, a part of the problem we have right now is is the, the slippery character of the term essential. Had we complied with the governing authorities and surrendered the headship of Christ over his church to them, that would have been sin. And a defining characteristic of compliant pastors is that they are simultaneously silent on the dangers that their people face. Like the false prophets did in Isaiah's day, refusing to acknowledge the judgment of God and the coming Assyrians. Instead, prophesy to us illusions, speak to us smooth words. And that's what these men have done. There, I have not come across one compliant pastor who is honest about the cost and the dangers and the wreckage that has been caused in people's lives. And they know it because they're not stupid. 
This is a frightening trend. Experts began to notice more children having mental health issues after the COVID pandemic lockdowns began. Now it's to the point where the Surgeon General is calling it a crisis. I'm not saying that there isn't legislation in place that gives the government the authority to lock down society. I'm not saying the Public Health Act doesn't give the government the authority to lock down society. What I'm saying is that is ultimately irrelevant. Governments have no authority to lock down society. Their responsibility is to uphold and protect the God-given rights of its citizens. Unless we repent of sodomy, unless we repent of abortion, unless we repent of multiculturalism and these intentional shifts in our culture, you don't have freedom. It's not coming back. We are welcomed by Jeremy Bundy here on The Dispatch. Jeremy Bundy is the owner and founder of Jeremy Bundy Films and Boniface Business Solutions. If you like the Liberty Coalition Canada website, and you should, you should thank Jeremy for that and his hard work. He's also the director of Antichrist and His Ruin, which is what we're talking with Jeremy about today. He and his wife, Kelsey, live in the Niagara area, and together they have three children, Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us on The Dispatch. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. So Jacob Rayom comes to you with the idea for the documentary. He's been reading some John Bunyan, or he, he, he had a few years ago, and so this all comes together. So he pitches the vision to you, this idea for the documentary. So based on what he says, based on what he brings you, what becomes your vision for the documentary? How do you want to put it together? What's driving your creative process based on what he brings you, and now you need to create this? Talk to us about your thinking and really your vision for how to put this together. Yeah, well, Jacob is a, is a pretty creative guy, and so when he came to me and pitched me the idea, um, he did a really good job, and I, I loved it. Uh, the first thing we did is we sat down and we storyboarded the whole thing. So we laid out the, the whole argument from beginning to end, and in that first meeting, we basically decided that we wanted to help people. We wanted to build an argument. We wanted to tell the story well in order to disarm people because we were hearing so many different uh, arguments that uh, had no historical, um, factual uh, position to them. Uh, we were hearing arguments uh, from pastors within the church that, you know, um, historically Baptists have just done whatever the government said and there's no precedent for um, for defying uh, the government and we were hearing you know freedom fighters want to fight for freedom but not necessarily know where freedom came from we were hearing Canadians uh, not understand that uh, Canada was uh, historically a, a Christian nation and so all of this all of this noise around us uh, helped us uh, form the the storyboard in a way that really helped address a lot of those issues and build an argument that could help um, each person in those different groups of people uh, really build a an argument, really build a categorical thinking for where freedom comes from, um, build a precedent for the church uh, defying tyranny, and um, help Canadians actually uh, recapture their uh, their freedom that historically came from from the gospel impact uh, on our land so 
Yeah. So what and, becomes your vision for putting it together then? So I guess as you as in the actual nuts and bolts of so like the uh, if I'm correct, all of the animation was done by Les Lanfair, who did right. the movie yeah. Calvinist. So I, it looked familiar. Um, so in your thinking of putting this together, obviously you have interviews, you have animations, you have a bunch of historical videos and news clips that you put together. So after you kind of have this idea of what you want to communicate, what uh, what starts going on in your mind? How do you you know how do you think about how you want to lay it out, put it together, and, and just create you know creativity wise what's what's going on in your brain because i mean the finished product is phenomenal i mean the, the mm -hmm. production yeah. the production quality yeah. is as good as anything i've seen i remember sitting in trinity looking over to my wife who was beside me saying this is as good as any documentary i've seen it's just in terms of production value and obviously being grounded in truth so mission accomplished but at oh, the earliest you. stages, what uh, what's going on is you're thinking, how am I going to form this thing? How am I going to put it together? Yeah, so I knew that there was a lot to address in it just with the size of the storyboard. So um, whenever you have a lot of information going forward, it's it, you really want to keep people engaged uh, with with what's going on. And I know that. You know, if you sit down for a movie, the thing that keeps you engaged is that cinematic feel. It's the way that the music works together to help uh, bring the emotions along with what's being said. Um, so I knew that I really wanted to do my best to create a flow throughout the whole thing that really captured uh, the person who was watching it to do uh, to, to, to really make a, a cinematic experience uh, out of out of the whole thing in order you know, to, to keep the attention of, of the person that's watching. So I knew that I wanted uh, great locations for interviews, locations that help tell the story. I know that I wanted the lighting to look a certain way. Um, I know that I wanted the, the camera movements to to be, uh, you know, it was, it was hard to be one guy on location and add the camera movements in. Uh, thank goodness for technology and some of the automation uh, that I was using for for those interviews, but I knew that I wanted all of this to come together in in a really cinematic experience for the for the person watching. Um, so each yeah, like I said, each location tells a story. Um, you know, you think of Steve Richardson, and we we filmed his in in an old uh, factory that was being uh, redone, rebuilt, and. Uh, there was sheets of drywall up up against the wall waiting to be put on and part of steve's story is he lost his uh his pastoral job and had to uh get uh pick up a, a manual labor job hanging drywall um and so like each location if you, if you go through and watch it each location tells a story the lighting tells a story the the music uh helps tell the story um and it really all points to just that um, cinematic experience that I was, I, I kind of envisioned uh, when we were sitting there putting the storyboard together. The way you use the piano, I noticed when I was watching it, that you'd have, whenever it was like a happy time, the piano was very light and in major chords. And then all of a sudden, it would start to slowly transition to minor chording and minor chord progression. I was like, uh-oh. We're about to see there's back. So, it, and so yeah. right. And so you could feel it. So that anticipation of like, oh, this is really good. And all of a sudden, bum, 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 mm -hmm. bum, bum, I'm like, oh, boy, oh, what, what's comes, what's yeah. true? What's Trudeau about to do now? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, just for my end, as someone who's done a lot of production and editing and stuff like that, I just was 
blown away by, you know, what you were able to accomplish, like you said, by really creating this cinematic experience, because it is an info heavy documentary, right? You're you're taking people along an argument uh, along for a ride in history. So it can get a little dry if you're not, you know, adding all those different elements and and really, you know, capturing those emotions, right? Because emotions come through the ears with the score and with how you kind of put everything together. So I was really appreciative. Uh, I mean, we're watching in the background some of the beauty of, of the film and everything that you were able to do with your production team. Um, so shout out to you guys because I know how tedious it is. I know you probably had uh, hundreds of hours worth of uh, filming that you had to scrub through. So um, props there. The one thing for me, Jeremy, that I thought this film is extraordinarily helpful because not only are you presenting an argument that's very coherent, it's well laid out, not only are you presenting history to show, hey, this is actually in a long tradition of, you said Baptist, but it also goes to Protestant resistance theory. It, what it, Defying tyrants has been a part of the lifeblood of reformers throughout history. So laying out those arguments, but especially for Canadians. I think there's a lot to grasp in this documentary because so many times we're watching American films that are bringing principles and concepts forward to us that we have to then filter up into our context and make sense of it in the Canadian context. But was so helpful for for me and I think for a lot of the people listening and viewing this podcast is the fact that you set the documentary in a Canadian context. So maybe you can talk about your kind of desired outcome from the documentary and what you hope Canadians can understand from what you've put forward here in the Antichrist and his ruin. Hmm. Well, early on, and uh, this is a shout out to cross the Cross-Baltic boys, um, just because we, we met with them and one of the points that they... Uh, said, you know, you got to make sure that you, uh, you know, you build this foundation that you are not uh, the rebels. Because um, there's a, there's this narrative going forth from the progressive left uh, that really seeks to paint any traditionalist into, um, you know, they they change the narrative to, to paint you as some sort of um, psycho who hates progress. And they really try to paint you as a rebel. And so we knew that uh, we wanted to utilize historical fact in order to build an argument that uh, painted uh, the Christians as the ones that are trying to uh, save our country, the ones that are trying to preserve the foundational heritage that we have and, and the love of freedom and uh, seeing the gospel impact uh, that Canada has seen. Uh, in its history, we, we really wanted to do uh, well at preserving that and then uh, letting letting people know that we aren't we aren't the rebels, right? We are we are the ones that want to save Canada. We're not the ones that want to uh, see it destroyed. Absolutely. And in God's providence, we got to, as I cut to your screen, there was uh, the motto of Canada behind you, which is <laughs> literally grabbed uh, from some. Uh, 72. And and that is what I think is so helpful is you have Andre Schutten in the film who leads us through Canadian constitutional history, British common law. I mean, uh, 
Dr. Joe Boot is like flying out of his seat to tell us about uh, the British common law tradition. It's awesome. Yeah, um, I've never seen him get so excited about anything <laughs> in his life. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So, so I think it is very helpful because it does set the story of what's going on in the Canadian context, even going back to what uh, the expo uh, there in Montreal had had to do, how this this change in religious devotion from a Christian constitutional monarchy to um, this kind of pluralistic multicultural um, identity, it was really progressive in its ideology and it was well thought out. They, they had a plan of attack, they had an agenda, and they... As you've said, they were the revolutionaries who were trying to form Canada into something that was totally different than it was founded to be. So I do appreciate the fact that 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 narrative did come across. So if that was your goal, you did it very successfully because that does come across in the film for sure. Oh, thank you. It also, to your point, Jeremy, that that there is a there's an idea floating around, a caricature floating around a kind of floating around not just about the documentary but about a number of the pastors who were involved who were interviewed and who were part of this whatever you want to call it quote unquote freedom churches or non-conformists that really what we're about is we're about being scoff laws and anti-authoritarian and really kind of beating ourselves on the chest and looking down at those who you know close their churches for whatever reason and the reality is the documentary very clearly says, listen, there were there was a, a huge swath of evangelicalism that did comply, that did close their church, and it was exposed and it was dealt with, and the hypocrisy of their position was dealt with, and their butchering of Romans 13 was dealt with. But that was just a small part of the documentary, really. The document, especially the end, the the hopeful picture of Christian families having kids taking dominion, that this is how we win. Right. The, the home is how we win mm. the long walk through the history of our country, the very clear exposing of this cultural behemoth that has been coming for Western civilization. The documentary is is not. And even the fact that you have pastors in the documentary who openly admit that they failed at the beginning, that they they they, they played it wrong. They didn't do what they should have done. There was clear repentance, like Alex Klusterman, like to the point of tears, you could see the the relief when he finally admitted it was wrong and he repented before his people. This was the opposite of an arrogant, self-congratulatory chest beating. This was a humble plea to protect the church and to fight for the God-given freedoms and rights that we have in our country, which come from him. And so for that reason, I would recommend that everyone, whether you're on our side of the nonconformist movement whether you shut down your church, whether you're opposed to decisions we made, if you're skeptical about the documentary, everyone needs to watch it because it's probably not what they think it is and it's better than what they think it is and it'll be more helpful than whatever they anticipate it will be. So we want to get everyone watching this. Everyone needs to mm -hmm. watch this. Everyone needs to understand you know, there hasn't been anything else like this in Canada something that clearly articulates our history, our legal history, and really the theological climate of what's going on in our country. So this is this is totally unique in that sense. So where can people, and Matt and I give our full-throated approval, and I plan on 
we plan on doing a church thing actually we plan on well if you take you take you take enough shots you will have seven thumbs eventually that's how it'll play out but we plan on doing a multi-church viewing there are a few other churches in the area we're going to get all our people together and watch it Mm -hmm. um where can people go and what are the different options for viewing and for purchase just to make it as easy as possible for people to go and purchase this and watch it yeah that's great um you can go to antichristdocumentary.com. We have turned that into a streaming platform uh, where you can buy the digital version and then gain lifetime access to stream it on any device, uh, whenever you want, wherever you want. And uh, in the new year, we are going to be doing our best to get this on DVD because there are some people that uh, like that as well. It was just impossible for us to get the shipping infrastructure together before Christmas. But there is, um, there are options for giving a gift card that covers the cost of the DVD. So there's still gifting options for uh, people who would like to gift this to a compliant pastor, uh, to a politician, to a friend, to family uh, for Christmas. Um, so all the options are there at uh, antichristdocumentary.com. Excellent, brother. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And thanks for all your hard work, because I know it was a year of just tedious um, work for you. And I know I know it's both the funnest thing you can do is, you know, seeing this this idea come to life. uh, But it is stressful and it is uh, a really, really ton of work on your end so we're thankful that you took this project on that you didn't shrink back from jacob's idea and you you took it on and ran with it and obviously did such an amazing job so i'm excited for people more broadly to be able to see the film and we again would suggest that you go over and check it out at the website you you would purchase it for your loved ones or those whom you disagree with uh, as jeremy said uh because it is for every single person purchase one for every single person who's on the tgc canada council board (laughs) yes yeah purchase one for every single (laughs) one of the contributors for tgc canada get one get two for them please yeah Yeah. somebody's got to share it with someone uh a board member of banner of truth too because i don't want to give too much away but banner truth the banner of truth boys need to watch this documentary so if they're listening Mm -hmm. hey somebody somebody send it to the banner of truth guys (laughs) no that's 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 fair there's a number yeah it's this is good. This is good stuff, Jeremy. And I think you've uh, you've I think you've solidified your position as being a uh, a rather hot commodity in the Christian Canadian documentary world. Because I think what we've what we've seen this last in the last couple of years, and really what we're going to see in the years to come, is that there will be a lot of stories that need to be told. There's a lot of stuff. Mm that has been exposed, a lot of stuff that we're going to have to deal with and we're going to have to set the record straight and just how the church responds to what's going on in our country. Um, I think, uh, I think you've, you've basically made yourself the go-to guy. So it's time to, uh, it's time to get ready to expand your, your business and hire a bunch of people because uh, I think you're, if you haven't already had a dozen offers, you'll have two dozen after we air this uh, this interview so absolutely thanks so much boys yeah just praying yeah. that the lord's glorified through uh through both of our efforts and yeah. um yeah looking forward to the future thanks yeah, man. man thanks so much we were at the church at war conference at trinity bible chapel in waterloo where we got to not only meet a number of pastors across the country who kept their churches open 
who were nonconformists who pushed back against the medical and state tyranny from all levers, levels of government officials. We also got to watch the, it was a premiere of the Antichrist and his Ruined documentary. And we got to spend a lot of good time meeting friends, meeting Nicole. We already talked yeah. about Nicole and these wonderful Meeting mugs. each other. <laughs> meeting each other. That's right. We got to meet each other. I know it feels we like we're, I, I know it feels like we're the best of friends already, but it, it was the first time we, you, when you picked me up from the airport on my way in, it was the first time we had met, met in person. So, Thanks for bringing the snow with you, by the way. Uh, yes, I know. Snow here before you showed up. I know. I feel and I feel got awful. To, <laughs> we got to have lunch at the Italian bakery where I grew up, and then some some very kind woman came over who listens to our Diana? show. Diana? I believe yeah. it was Diana. What are the odds? So shout out to yeah. Diana. Because the first the time the first time that, that Andrew and I... city where we don't live. Yeah. <laughs> and she shows up. I know. We're stuffing our faces with a veal sandwich. Yes, absolutely. So a wild situation of Providence uh, that uh, we're recognized in, like you said, a city we don't live uh, for the first time we are actually together in person. So it was it was wonderful. Thank you, Diana, for for listening. Uh, Godspeed. And we, we wish you the best. And um, Diana was one of the she was the first of many people that we got to meet um andrew over the weekend who listened to the show and for me that was kind of a surreal experience because since i've been on with lcc i've been mainly doing production stuff and then when mike asked us to do the show together we started doing that but you know a lot of the views a lot of that stuff i don't have faces to put behind that you know i don't have names to put behind that i just produce it record it produce it send it out in the ether and then <laughs> see what 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 comes of it but to get to talk to people andrew that was a real blessing to me to get to know our audience get to see what they're thinking about answer their questions to get to see what god's place on their heart to hear their stories um that was very very impactful and to also hear how our program has you know, impacted their lives, how it's positive, positively impacted their thinking, how they're they're able to put things together that they weren't sure about. They knew it was wrong, but now we've been able to help them think through these issues. All of those things are a huge encouragement um, to me. They were they were wonderful. And it, it felt like this family, I told this to so many people, but it felt like this weird family reunion where you were getting together with your people, but you strangely had never met them or seen them in person. Yet um, the camaraderie of the entire weekend was was a huge takeaway for me. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, there's, there's a lot to say about the weekend at Trinity. Um, I mean, it was it, at times it was quite an emotional weekend for a number Absolutely. of different reasons. Very emotional <laughs> yeah. weekend. Mike mm. made a point. Mike Teeson made a point to make fun of me and 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 point <laughs> out how much I was crying. It was mm -hmm. a very emotional weekend for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot. Some of these guys that 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 I got to see again were mm -hmm. guys that I was with in Ottawa. You know, guys who friends who were arrested, friends who were beaten by police officers. Literally, I'm not. This isn't hyperbolic. Friends who were beaten by officers, friends who were on the receiving end of tear gas, right? Like to, mm -hmm. to see these men again, it was emotional to be gathered together in this setting, to get to meet guys like James Coates and Tim Stevens, who by the way, 
we will be releasing an interview with Tim Stevens and James Coates tomorrow, tomorrow. night, Wednesday night. You're going to want to watch it. To my knowledge, that's the first time these two guys were together in person being interviewed, and we had the privilege of being able to do it. So Live from the conference. I got to meet them in person mm-hmm. and talk with them and give them hugs multiple, multiple times. Uh, I got to meet other guys, like other pastors around the country that I've never I've never met in person. I've only talked to by so you know on social media and by messaging. I got to meet them. And again, I got to hug all of them. There was lots of hugging, lots of crying. Did I say that? Lots yes. of hugging, lots of crying. So that was special. That was quite and, special. And, and on that note, on that note, I just wanna make mention, shout out to the Carp Fide uh, yep. crew. Got some wonderful t-shirts, but also on topic of your hugging, they said that you were the best hugger of them all. So they gave me a nine point five out of ten on <laughs> I don't know I how agree. you get I don't know how you get to ten, you know. You, that that powerful uh, yeah. bear hug that you gave me, it was as good as it gets. <laughs> so if I mean that was special being with these with these brothers was special. Mm-hmm. I mean, being in the room, I mean this 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 was the fringe minority, but it's actually not it's it isn't a fringe minority at all. That that, 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 that that this represents many Canadians who mm. who understand what 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 happened and understand that the only answer really was was defiance was nonconformity to lawless evil tyrannical mandates and rules from our government I think one of the takeaways from the conference and we've said this before I want to lay this to bear on our audiences we're thankful for the trucker convoy and the freedom convoy and we're and we're thankful for the raising of awareness and the fact that we could say that what they did caused both the shakeup in the conservative party and also saw provincial mandates drop so we're thankful for that but i need to say here unequivocally that the freedom movement in canada the loudest voice the initial people pushing back and paying a cost for it were pastors so the freedom movement in Canada really is built upon the foundation of Christians and pastors who defied the government openly and publicly before anyone else did. Before restaurants were told you had to enforce you had to enforce vaccine mandates, before any of that, it was pastors who were told shut down your church and muzzle your people who said no and said no publicly and paid a great cost for it. So the freedom movement in Canada really rests upon the courage and the boldness and the faithfulness of Christian pastors. And we'll also say that's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that men who ground themselves upon the authority of the word of God, men who believe in the supremacy and the kingship of Jesus over all things, these were the men who were the loudest in their defiance. And some of them were fine. Some of them were not. Some faithful pastors were defiant and they they refused to comply, and they were never visited by police officers or health officials. But you need to know that it is Christian pastors, and I'm being specific in my focus here. I'm not talking about other religious systems. It was the Christian evangelical pastor in this country who defied the government openly and publicly before anyone else did, and who paid a great cost for it in many instances. And so if there's a group of men to be thankful for, if there's a group of men who deserve honor and an applause, it is those men who stood for the rights and freedoms of Canadians from a biblical perspective because Christ alone is king over this universe. These were the men who were at the forefront. They were the tip of the spear.
of the freedom movement here in Canada. And it's because they believe in the scriptures and it's because they believe that government is limited because God says that government is limited. Mm-hmm. And, and to see these men rightly honored and gathering together and celebrating and rejoicing was an incredible moment. And Canadians need to know this is, this is the country in which we live. These are the men who stood for freedoms because they love Christ and because they love the word of God. And it is right to recognize them and, uh, and, and to have been among these men was, was a special time. And, uh, mm. and, and our audience needs to know that that's the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. And the amazing part, Andrew, from my perspective, is these men aren't as advertised by media and by their detractors. As m- these men who took this stand, they took it on courage of conviction. Though some might think they're lawless men, on the contrary, the entire weekend was spent preaching a higher law, was preaching the goodness of authority that comes with necessary responsibility, how God's delimited different spheres in society for the benefit of his church and the flourishing of individuals created in his image and how each each person who's given this responsibility to govern in these spheres and given that authority has the responsibility to do it for the upbuilding and the benefit of those that they're ruling over. These are not lawless men. They are lawful men who know full well what authority, what responsibility, and what law actually means. And they are men who believe lex rex, that law is king, the law of God is king, and therefore rex lex cannot be the case, that kings cannot be laws unto themselves. And as you said, Andrew... These men were the tip of the spear and the trucker convoy was the shaft that came behind it. But imagine if it wasn't just a handful of passers, if it wasn't just 12 to 15 to 20. We don't know the number because some are lesser known and they deserve, just like you said, Andrew, as much plaudits as anybody else that took a fine or went to jail. If churches across our nation push back, if they stood firm, they understood responsibility, these covenantal spheres, how authority actually works biblically, they understood those things, the trucker convoy would have never been needed. We wouldn't have needed that because this tyranny would have never got out the gates. But it was the complicity of so many men who are ought to know better who are supposed to be leaders and shepherds of the sheep for the benefit of others who failed to exercise their god-given authority in proper relationship to the government they let people down they let the abuse of tyrannical government run roughshod over individuals and that is the serious serious verdict on these men and their ministries and that this as the document documentary lays out they allowed the spirit of antichrist to go unchallenged and i know that word we've talked about it 
might seem crazy to a lot of people, especially non-Christian people, but it's not hard to understand. It Antichrist is against Christ. If you're against Christians, if laws are specifically geared against Christians or against them doing what God requires in his word, they are definitionally anti-Christian. And what happens is we see in the New Testament that Christ identifies with his believers, with his body, the church, in such an organic way that when he confronts the Apostle Paul, he says, why are you persecuting me? Well, he didn't persecute Christ proper. He was persecuting his church, but that is the connection. So if they're anti-Christian, they're anti-Christ. And I think the document did it, documentary did a great job. Kudos to Jeremy and Jacob and um, Ryan Aris and Tim Tyson, all those that worked on the film for really tracing the history in law and and bringing forth this concept and bringing it to bear uh, for people to understand so they can track with the concept and then also put legs on it and understand it historically. They've, the spirit of Antichrist has been in our nation for a long time. And it, it the oppression and the tyranny that we've experienced over the last two and a half years, that is just the manifestation of this long sown seed this this awful root of this terrible tree and this must be excised and the sad part is government tyranny is that end of the tip of the spear in in the negative sense is the root cause of this evil is is the 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 heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart and if we as a nation as canadians want to see the tyranny of our government end, we must look internally. We must reflect prayerfully on how we, in our spirit of Antichrist, have contributed to what has taken place in our nation. And we must, if we want reformation and revival, as Steve Richardson so powerfully preached, we must look internally and then ask God to rend the heavens and come down and cleanse our nation and renew our nation and keep our nation glorious and free. There's something else that we take away from the weekend, and this comes out of the many, many encouraging, kind words from people who came over to our table, people who watch and listen to the show, people who consume our content. And that is that if our world were a different place, if the spirit of Antichrist had not taken over our civil government so thoroughly, and if we didn't find ourselves in this current cultural moment, we wouldn't exist at the Liberty Coalition Canada, and we wouldn't have to exist. But as it turns out, we do exist, and I would say that in the providence of God, we need to exist. And that's one thing I took away from this week. People whose source of sanity, quite literally, friends, listeners, who, who told us that the ability to cut through what's going on to not only inform, but to encourage them, to help them make sense of it, to bring a good worldview, to wade through the nonsense of legacy media, that for many people, we function as a source of sanity, 
a source of biblical worldview perspective that helps to shape them and sharpen them and equip them for the cultural fight ahead. And so the truth is we need to exist because we know that there isn't anyone else like us. We know that there's no other freedom media organization that is bringing a distinctly Christian biblical perspective because it's the only way to view the world. If you deny God, then you have no sufficient grounds for, for making any claim or having anything logical stand on its legs because God himself is the source and the foundation for reason and logic. And so we need to be here because of what we do. And, and no other organization like us that's bringing Christian conservative Canadian news and analysis is fighting for the freedoms of Canadians who are being discriminated against because of lawless mandates. And combine that with the fact that we are trying to actually make a dent in the political sphere through our advocacy work. So we need to be here. And I, I knew that I felt that this week, that it is essential that we exist so that we might be able to help Canadians to be equipped and to be trained and to be encouraged to fight back. So, so how are we going to operate then? How are we going to do what we, we do? Well, friends, if we need to exist, then guess what? We need you. Mm -hmm. We need your help and we need your support as well. And our audience is generous. We saw that this last week, that people Amen. are, are generous, that they, they, they agree with us and they believe in what we're doing. And so we want to label. And thank you, you to all those who gave yes. at the conference. Who yes, we didn't uh, donate any hats. All the hats were gone. <laughs> no, exactly. People were kind. And had we not by been sewered by uh, Canada Post, we could have had more to give away to our audience. Yes. But but time. we we felt the love for sure, and we felt the gracious. Uh, ness of our audience who who benefits from the program and we we would just ask that you would be like them and help us mm -hmm. out yeah we we have a we have an ambitious goal we want to raise three hundred thousand dollars before the end of the year it's that time of year it's that time of year where people do fundraising where people think about where am i going to give how am i going to allocate my donations we need to raise three hundred thousand dollars that's our goal to be able to do more shows more content to be able to continue to fight for Canadians and their freedoms. We want to do more. We have some plans. Stuff's going to be slowly rolling out in the next little bit. We have a lot of great stuff in mind for 2023, but we need your help. We need your support. We need your donations. So go over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate and help us join in this fight. And like I said at the top of the show, because we are now partnering with the Christian Week, any donations and support that you give specifically towards the analysis, the podcasting, the shows, and you'll be able to mark that in your giving. When you go to the donate page, you're going to be able to specify soon. It might not be in place tomorrow or the day after, but soon in the next number of days, you're going to be able to specify where you want your donations to go. And if you select that analysis slash shows option, those donations will receive and can receive a charitable tax receipt at the end of the year. And so if you're thinking of a place to support where you want to kind of buff up some of your charitable giving for the year, you can do that now at the Liberty Coalition Canada. So please head over there, support, donate to us that we can continue this fight. We have lofty goals. We have high ambitions. But we know that we can do it, and we know that with the help and encouragement and support of Canadians, of our audience, we can make it happen, and we can continue to do the work that we're doing, being a united front for freedom and liberty, 
here in Canada. Thank you already for those of you who have donated this year. Thank you for your generosity. And this is how this is one of the ways you continue you can continue to join us in this fight to do the work that we do is you can help support us financially. Please do so. Absolutely. Thank you so much to all those who gave us just wonderful reception in Waterloo. It was truly a blessing to be there at the Church of War conference to get to shake so many of your hands, meet so many of you, our dear listeners, and and many of you, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm just so thankful that we got this opportunity to meet you. And Andrew, we get the opportunity to do this show, which is obviously beneficial to those. So, as Andrew said, if you would, please consider leaving us a donation at libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate. Until next time, Galatians 5.1. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.libertycoalitioncanada.com.